Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Uh, I'd like to just bring a message. I believe that um, the Holy Spirit's been kind of showing um, me through over a few weeks. We've been maybe building up to this um, through, you know, we've been talking about the secret of the Lord and reverence and, and touch and things like that. And, and this morning I'd like to speak about sacred spaces. Um, and, um, you know, just in, it's fitting probably that as we remember the victory won by the allied countries together, we should remember that they were fighting for a way of life that was under great threat by an evil regime, totally evil regime. And the constitution of our country and our way of life that was considered sacred is what was under attack. Amen? And so they were fighting for our identity. They were fighting for our place as Britons, no matter what region of Britain you come from, you're a Briton, Okay, and they were fighting to keep us distinct as a nation, amen? And so has anyone here ever imagined or wondered what what it would look like today if our country had been overtaken and occupied, overcome? You know, have you ever thought about that? I, I I think about that from time to time, and I'm thankful for what we have. And the message I'd like to share today will, I hope, inspire us to recognize and fight for what is sacred in the eyes of our Father God. And we need this right now. As as co-heirs, you are co-heirs with Christ here this morning. And all of us have been commissioned to bring good news to the world. Amen? And I know you've all, I know you, I know you guys. You've got good news stories to tell. Amen. Amen. And we need the right concept of what is holy and what is right and what is sacred and what is pure because these things are so linked to us operating in the anointing on the earth and demonstrating God's miraculous power on the earth today. These things that are worth fighting for, things that are pure and holy and sacred and of a good report. They're worth fighting for. Hallelujah. And if you know what the original sacred space was, Eden, all right, that garden, a place where God lived with man in a perfect environment. It was a place where God's presence was actually seen and felt and sensed and experienced, God's presence was there. Amen? And it was there in all of its fullness. Amen? And so this place, Eden, the Garden of Eden, was the garden home of Adam and Eve, okay? And if you look at the Hebrew language, it defines the word Eden as being, uh, this is good, as being a place of luxury and delight. 
Eden, a place of luxury and delight, a place of fruitfulness. Amen? So that was, you can, can you imagine this perfect garden? And I believe that the creation of Eden for man was so important to God that even after Adam and Eve fell through disobedience and God pronounced hardships on them that we all know, guys, do we know that what the Lord said, you will toil in the land for whatever you're going to get. And women, what did he say? <laughs> labor, labor. So God pronounces these hardships after the fall, but God still wanted people to know that it was his intention for them to find a way, a, a way back to a place of luxury and delight. Amen? Come on, church. They, God wanted people to get back to that place of luxury and delight. God wants us, mankind, to find life in a delightful place. And he made that way, okay? That way has a name, and that name is Jesus. That is the way. That is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to a delightful life. Jesus. Amen? And if you read in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7, okay, there's your homework. 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7, not verses, chapters, 6 and 7, it reveals that the temple, all right, the temple was designed and decorated with many prominent features that existed in Eden, all right? And so that included the cherubim. If you're sitting in this place today and you don't know what cherubim are, cherubim are a type of angel, type of angelic being, okay? And uh, these cherubim, in the temple, just as they were left there to guard the tree of life in Eden, they were now, you would see them now in the temple, the cherubim, amen? And so it was supposed to, the temple was supposed to remind people of what? A sacred space, a sacred place, the garden, the, the, God's original design, amen? And um, this place is a place where heaven and earth meet and come together. And I, I, the, my mind boggles because I remember growing up in the lush subtropical vegetation of South Africa, which the smells and the crackle of the heat and the, the just the, your senses were, your, were always on high alert because it was just this beauty all around you. And Eden would have been even better than that. I think, wow, it's incredible. So Eden was a holy and a sacred place, amen? Of course it was. It was where God walked. It would have been awe-inspiring or awesome in the true sense of the word. I think we use the word awesome far too lightly these days. I think sometimes we should reserve certain phrases or certain praises just for God, and so everything's awesome. <laughs> so how, how do we, and that's the, how do we describe our God to people if everything else is awesome? And I'm coming to that. There's a good point we're coming to here. And so we're talking about 
this sacredness of this place because God's presence was there. And wherever God's presence is, is something special. Actually, if, you, if any of you have ever heard um, Pastor Bernie talking about Bishop Dagg's churches, well, his church in Accra is called the Kodesh. And the Kodesh is a Hebrew word which means sacred place or holy place. And it's, it's, it means a place that is set apart or distinct from anything else. And it means that there's a place where, um, uh, where, where God's presence dwells and where there is no, there's no evil there, okay? And... Um, in, in, when, when in, a, in a Jewish marriage, they actually, they actually recite a verse and it's actually referring to that kind of Kodesh. It says there, the, the, the husband says to his wife, you are made holy to me according to the law of Moses in Israel. So it becomes a sacred and a binding covenant, all right? So we all know what, we all get the idea of what sacredness is or being something that's sacred. It's something that's set apart. It's dedicated for unto the Lord or for the service of the Lord or for, or for the, God's use. So God is unique. Amen? He is unique. God is, you could say he's otherworldly. Because we know we are not of this world, right? I definitely know some of you are not of this world. I definitely know that. You know? <laughs> your, 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 um, your, your, your spaceship's waiting outside for you. <laughs> no, you're peculiar, and you're not of this world, and, and um, God is otherworldly, and his nature and his character are otherworldly like nothing else. And one of the challenges that the prophets and the elders of Israel had was this. They had to constantly reinforce God's character to the people. They had to remind them all the time of just how unique God is. So that the people wouldn't perceive him as ordinary. Which is why when we call everything awesome... We find it difficult then to find a distinguishing factor. We need, we need more words to describe who God is. So God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can communicate God's greatness in new ways. Amen. So, you know, the Israelites at that time, you've got to remember what their supernatural worldview is. There was loads of deities, loads of gods. And so this God Yahweh, well, he's maybe just like any of the other gods. And so these poor prophets and elders, they had a task on their hands to remind the people of who God was. And I'm sure it would have been tough convincing them that, hey, listen, guys, this is El Shaddai, God Almighty. This is who you serve, El Shaddai, God Almighty. There is no God like him. Everything about him is otherworldly. And when he intervenes in your life and he provides something or someone for your life, or anything for that matter, that which he provides is sacred and holy just as he is. Because why? Because where did it come from? It came from him. And that's the reason why David wouldn't take Saul's life. God had anointed Saul. Irrespective of the failings of that man, God's anointing was on Saul. 
And David would not desecrate what God had ordained. God had ordained that Saul was king. And so, you know, I think of the way that I think of the way that I've treated the things that God has ordained. And I have to ask God for forgiveness and mercy because I have treated those things light, too lightly. I've, I have even desecrated the things that God has ordained. And I say that as I didn't want to say this morning, we have, I leave that with you, but I know I have. And God ordains things to be sacred and we cannot violently disrespect what God has ordained to be sacred and anointed. I think this is an important message coming into the times we live in. Amen? You know, God, God at one time had ascribed a great value to, to Saul's life, and David would not treat, would not kill him, would not put him to death violently. Amen? And I'd like to say something else about God's character this morning. His character is not like ours, thank God. He's distinct from humanity. Now, we're created in his image and his likeness, amen? And God invites us to be holy as he is holy. Guys, I want to tell you this morning, um, holy is not a bad word. You know, I've heard too many people accusing other people of being ho holy, jo what, holy moly, or holy joes. Holy is not a bad word. We are called to be holy people. We're called to be holy people. How dare we take that lightly? We're called to be holy people. And so he also asks us to strive to be godly in our thoughts and in our heart and in our conduct. And God reminds us in Isaiah 55, he says, for my thoughts are not as your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I've long ago, I'm not trying to be like God. I want to be, and you understand what I mean, I want to be like him, but God is God. All right. Uh, end of story. And bibli biblically, the word used to describe God's character is holiness. God is holiness personified, and that means that he, has, he is set apart and distinct, but he's chosen us. He's chosen to receive us back again. Amen. And God wanted his people to understand his nature on more than just an intellectual level. That's why we'll never win people to Christ, I don't believe, with arguments. Like, I know a lot of theology, so I'm going to get the better of you. I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. People want to see God in you. They want to, you'll win them to Jesus by the love of God in you. Hallelujah. He, so he didn't want them just to have this intellectual knowledge of him because they were all striving to be, you know, scribes and good scholars and everything else. No, he wanted his nature to touch their lives. Amen? He still does want his nature to touch our lives and for them to have the joy of a lived experience. This is the difference when, when you have a lived experience in something that God does for you, you, you just can't help being joyful. Amen. 
You can't, you can't help being joyful when you've lived the experience. If you just know about the experience, it's cool. But if you've lived it, amen, if you've lived it, and he wanted them to know through that lived experience, I'm your source. I'm your shield. I'm your protector. Me, Yahweh, not these other guys, not these, not these other gods, these imposters. Amen? And God wanted his ways, and we've talked about God's ways, how important they are. He wanted his ways to permeate throughout the culture of his people. Amen? So to the Israelites, God, they're, they're, the prophets and the elders are trying to show them that God is not just the source of life where you get all the good stuff from. He is life. He is life. Otherwise, we, God is like the, like the hole in the wall. You know, maybe that's the wrong thing to say. But, we, you know, I need this just now. God is life. And we know that God's realm is heavenly and it's supernatural, amen? There's no death in heaven. For those that are listening this morning, there's no death or imperfection in heaven. And I think this is going to touch some, someone today. There's no disease there. There's no cancer there. There's no virus there. There's nothing, that, there's no disease, no sickness there. There's no death. However, our realm is, is terrestrial. His realm is supernatural. Our realm is terrestrial and natural. But wherever or whenever God chooses to occupy a space on earth, what happens? It becomes sacred. Whenever or wherever God decides to... It's like Jesus saying... Uh, Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So wherever he was is where he could be, his presence was. He would be at home there, in a place called there. Amen. And so what is it that makes anything sacred on this earth? It's the presence of God that makes it sacred. And the spaces we occupy are seemingly ordinary, but we serve a God who's extraordinary. He's, he's the polar opposite, pulls apart from ordinary. And to give you an idea of how blessed we are to be partakers of the new covenant, let's explain it this way. In Israel, back then, people couldn't just go and occupy the same space as God. You just couldn't do it. You had to be invited and purified before you could come into any space that God occupied, okay? So there were laws put in place to regulate the purification process. And if you didn't qualify, or should we say if you were unclean, we all know that one, unclean, unclean, <laughs> unclean. If you were unclean, okay? And or in any way you weren't pure, you didn't qualify to go into that sacred space. Amen? Now, what could make you impure or unclean? Well, how about this one? Having sex, losing blood, touching a dead thing, whether it be a human or an animal. All these things, if you 
if you were involved in that, you had to go through a ritual purification. <laughs> okay? All right? And the idea of this wasn't so much about mor the morality of it or the moral side of it, but the, the idea was that all of these things were associated with loss of life. You understand? And the loss of life was considered to be incompatible with the perfection of God. Hallelujah. You see, God's, God wasn't supposed to be associated with the loss of life. Why? Because he was the giver of life. He wasn't to be associated with the loss of life. So anything that was associated with losing life, all right, like losing bodily fluids, for example, was perceived to be the opposite of that which created life or sustained life. Amen? So certain areas were also off limits if you had a physical impairment or imperfection because if you had a physical impairment or imperfection, that was see seen as being incompatible with God's perfection. And I know that this all sounds dreadful, right? Harsh and unfair, but this was the worldview that they had at that time that was being reinforced at that time. So the other problem created by being unclean was that you were not even able to get close to a sacred space to bring your offering or your sacrifice until you waited for a certain period of time or until you went through a ritual purification. I'm sorry this isn't a simple message this morning, but I hope this is, this is, this is touching you this morning. Um, one of the ways of being cleaned up, okay, was the blood sacrifice. That was one of the ways of being cleaned up, so it involved a blood sacrifice. So by dabbing or sprinkling blood onto something or someone, you could, they could once again occupy a sacred space. You know, and initially as Christians nowadays, we perhaps, especially new Christians, wouldn't understand the logic of all of this different stuff. But they did, and they, it had a theological purpose at the time. And that, we all know now, that was the concept of substitution. Okay? So we're going somewhere with this. Because what was a life force? What was considered a life force back then? The life was in the, the blood. The life was in the blood according to Leviticus 17.11. All right, if we got that, could we put that up? Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Amen? So, earlier in the same chapter in Leviticus, God also scolds the people for the places that they were making their sacrifices or the places where they decided to offer their sacrifices. And what does he tell them to do? He says, don't go out there to offer your sacrifices. I want you to come back to the tabernacle. I want you to come back to the sacred place. I want you to come back to where my presence is and that is where you offer your offering and your sac sacrifices. Come back to the tabernacle of meeting. So we now begin to see that there was a distinction in the realms. 
that they understood at that time. So we've already said this morning, God is supernatural, he's heavenly, we are terrestrial. But they begin to see that, okay, so if wherever God's presence was, was holy, then where his presence was not, was not holy. It was unholy. So the space or the territory where God's presence was absent would be considered ordinary or hostile and evil, okay? So it plays out that wherever the camp of Israel was, and we all know they moved, they moved around at that time as a nation, or even later on what would become the nation of Israel, that was holy ground, okay? And the territory outside of, of the nation or the camp was unholy ground, and of course, God had a future, because it all does sound pretty harsh. God, what's God doing? God had a future plan to reclaim the nations back to him. Amen? But during Bible times, these other places were realms of darkness. They were places of evil. And we can read that if we get into it further. Maybe we can do a Bible study for those that are interested in the, um, in the divine council. And talk about the, the, the Lord says, I've given these other places over to other entities, other, other uh, I say not deities, but entities, amen? And there's a good example we can look at, and it's Yom Kippur. Does anyone know what Yom, Yom Kippur is? In the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement. It's an annual event to this day, and it serves to remind the people of the concept of holy ground and unholy ground. And they had two goats, right? Two goats. And the first goat was involved with being sacrificed and its blood was sprinkled in the sanctuary. And that, the reason for that was to cleanse the sanctuary or the temple of human defilement for a year, okay? So that goat was for the Lord. Now, the poor second goat, okay, it was not sacrificed, okay? It wasn't killed. The second goat was sent out into the wilderness after the high priest symbolically transferred the sins of the people onto the goat. They send the goat out into the wilderness, right? Now, this goat was not for the Lord. This goat was for another entity, the entity, in, in, if you're studying it in the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Hebrew text, was Azazel, which was a demonic spirit. So that goat was sent out there to this entity. Some translations would say it was the scapegoat. All right, the scapegoat, does it make sense now? The scapegoat, the one who takes the, you're going to take all of this. So the scapegoat was sent out and... Uh, what happened was during the wilderness journey, the Israelites, they'd been sacrificing to demons in the wilderness because they were scared that evil forces would threaten their camp. You can read about that in Leviticus 17. And it's, it stood to reason because the camp was, you know, outside the camp was the wilderness. And therefore, it was devoid of God's presence. It was then occupied by evil beings or evil entities, okay, and so God wanted this practice of sacrificing 
um, animals and stuff to these demonic entities to stop. He'd had enough of it. So the goat for Azazel accomplished that because the goat wasn't sacrificed. It was simply put out. It was put out of the holy place. It wasn't an offering to these evil gods because it was never sacrificed. It was just a, a, a symbolic way of cleansing the camp from sin and restoring the camp to sacred space, sacred, holy ground. And we live now in a new dispensation. Amen? And when you read about all that Old Testament stuff, you say, thank the Lord, we live in a new dispensation. God hasn't changed, has he? He's still otherworldly. He still occupies the realm of heaven, but we have his spirit. Amen? So God is still holy, yeah? And his holiness requires that we be purified to enter his presence. And that is accomplished by believing in Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. Everything that Jesus did for us has parallels with the Old Testament ways. Jesus had to go out of the holy place into the wilderness. The place where the forces of evil existed and he had to, he had to deal with Satan who tempted him in the wilderness. He had a confrontation with Satan in the wilderness. And that was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which, of course, ended with Jesus overcoming him who had power over death. So now we, need, we don't have to fear death. And I, it's such a joy to be with people when you're praying with them who are dealing with issues in, the li in their life and they can say to you, I don't fear it because I've got that security. I've got Jesus in my heart. I've death, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? I'm sorry, it's, 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 it, I'm looking forward to the after death. This tent is wearing out. I can tell you that. Amen. Hebrews 2.14 tells us that inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If you're sitting in this place today or if you're listening and you're afraid of dying, receive Jesus into your, into your heart today. And you will be released from the bondage of the fear of death. Amen. You will be released from that. Amen. Jesus was then at the end of his ministry crucified outside the holy city. And that's, that's in Hebrews 13, 12. It says, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, he suffered outside the gate. He was made unclean because our sins were put upon him. Our sins were taken away by him. And his death and resurrection has sanctified us. Hallelujah. Yes. And it has made us fit to not only to come, listen to this. Because of this, it has made us fit not only to be able to come into God's presence, 
but to be hosts of his presence. And that's a revelation, I believe, that when we get that, that'll be awesome. I said awesome. <laughs> well, it will be awesome because it, it will be hosting his presence. So I'm allowed to say that. Amen. We are imperfect. Can, yeah, I always love this one. Oh, I'm looking. Uh, I'm not going to, I didn't like that church. I didn't like that church. That wasn't that the church for me. Um, you know what? It just wasn't perfect for me. You know, well, listen, I've got news for you. As soon as you walk into any church, it's already imperfect because you just walked in. You know what I mean? So it's like we are not perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church, it doesn't exist. I'll tell you that right now. The, 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 the final church, the taken up church, will be the perfect church without spot or blemish. But nowadays, it's not easy to find the perfect church. And anyway, what would we all do if we were all perfect? I wouldn't even come here on a Sunday. I'd feel too bad. I'd... <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, we are imperfect, but our imperfections have been overlooked because of Jesus. There's no longer any incompatibility anymore because Jesus made a way for us to know his Father. Amen? And I believe that we have to renew our minds to this fact. We no longer need a temple or a tabernacle to claim a sacred space. Our hearts are the sacred spaces. Your life is a sacred space that God wants to occupy. And so as we prayed at sundown prayer on Thursday night, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. When we purify ourselves, we become uh, people that can then host God's presence and we become sacred spaces, amen? The purifying has to begin in us. It's not like, Eleanor, you better get pure, girl, because I see you, I see you, I see you. No, the purifying has to begin in us, in me. The purifying has to begin in me, amen? And so we should revere and steward well that which God has provided, amen? This building, the, the things we have that make it comfortable for us to come together, we should look after that, those things, but what else has God provided for us to look after and steward in this life? This body, this tent, amen? He's provided us a tent for this life according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the same presence and the same spirit that filled the tent of meeting now wants to live in our tent, wants to be inside us. And as I finish this message this morning, I want to read James chapter 4, verse 5, our last scripture. And it's a powerful scripture. And it says, do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? Well, do you? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Meditate on that. Meditate on that. They say that God is passionate that the spirit that he put in you, Johnny, that you should be faithful to him with that spirit. Amen? One day, when the tent is old and gives up, only the tent dies. Your spirit will live in a new house, not made 
by hands in a new Eden. Heaven returned to earth. Amen. This place here is holy ground this morning. Why? Because we are here and the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. Amen. And it's, I, 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 I was going to go on to another concept, but I'm going to withhold it because I don't want to end the message on a down. I want to end it on an up. You're a child of God and you are fit for sacred space. Not because of anything you do or that you don't do, but because you are in Christ and you've been adopted by God. You've been extracted from the kingdom of darkness, which is out there, and you've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.